spidey senses tingling. Ladies and gentlemen, the host that will g- <laughs> that will go lukewarm on you so fast. He's slim. He's the very special host of the Paper Keg Podcast, the show you're listening to right now, episode one hundred and seventy-seven. Welcome to this show. One of the biggest shows we've ever done right now. I'm excited. Paper Keg where Three friends talk about the comic books they've read that week, and then we'll close out the show with a book club. Three shadows. show you know this is maybe this is the first time you've listened to the paper keg podcast um, you heard just a perfect intro from one man uh, I won't name names just kidding it was Jonesy loves beer he's a writer so you can you can understand why that was perfect he's a great speaker he's got a kid uh, Jonesy welcome to the show I wonder how many of my 177-odd intros have been flubbed. What's my percentage rate of failure? 98. Is, is it like high 80s, Nin- low 90s? I mean, am I just a, a bumbling idiot? Why, why do you guys come back for more is what I want to know. Troll Shield's up and holding, <laughs> by the way. 96%. Yeah, so just Similar don't... to your failure rate, I think, of the intro. <laughs> Just uh, don't aim your troll ton torpedoes this way. Oh, yeah. Lord, uh, you are taking this writer. one right to the mountain. Resident writer. Jonesy <laughs> grasped onto one joke that he made in the oh, yeah. pre-show, and he will just destroy it right to the end. Uh, you know, if I don't kick that dead horse, right. who's going to? Oh, my word. Tronesy loves troll, troll <laughs> beer. Oh man, you know what never gets old? The loves beer uh, <laughs> jokes, or uh, Jonesy loves backpedaling, or Jonesy uh, yeah. loves being garbage, or whatever Listen, you guys say. Jonesy, we're running back. out of tape right He's now. We're running out of tape. We need to get, just get the mic away from Jonesy for just a minute. Do we have please. another host? I mean, uh, he's a father, and if you've been following his Twitter account, Dale underscore A, I don't know how one man can manage two children for one weekend and not be on the police report the next morning. <laughs> It's Ragums. Uh, Dale underscore A, noted alcoholic father. Uh, he only does it at night when his kids are asleep. Welcome to the show. Yeah, it's. I mean, it feels so good to just have an excuse other than hard liquor to be down in my basement. <laughs> you know, so, and it's been, what, eight, nine, ten days without you guys. So I was, I was just spiraling into a deep, deep darkness. Yeah. You know what I envision some nights, like late at night, when you're in your basement and you're drinking, and you remember that scene in Unbreakable where the family was kidnapped and there was that dude that 
tied him up. Oh, God. He's, God. like, drinking, and he's, like, re- he's like backwashing whatever he drank on them. Like, that's a dark scene, but maybe not, you know, that dark. Right. But, you right, know, sure. the alcoholism, the drinking, it's just what I think of it when you're alone at night. My, my word. Just, I love my family. I, I turn, I funnel all of my parenting... Uh, strength into jokey tweets. And that's how I. That's my outlet. Your Twitter is amazing, flat out. <laughs> it makes Thank me want to get up in the morning and love my son. Um, but we have a big show. Three Shadows is our book club. Uh, amazing recommendation from a dear friend of ours, and we'll get into that probably at the bottom of the hour. I don't know what time it is where you are right now, but just, let's just say the bottom of the hour. And not only that, but I want to break Niaz mm. on this show. Can I do that for just a minute? Absolutely. It's it's our show. Uh, next week, we are going to do something that you probably never thought would happen. Two things are going to happen that will break barriers. First of all, no, Mark is not coming back to the show. He's still dead. Can we put that fire out for once and for all? Still deceased. Uh, Next episode, we will be doing a book club episode on The Sword. Every issue, the entire series, Dale swore off of it, but it's happening. Your thoughts, Dale? I am am committing to this because of our uh, next surprise. I would not, you know... I would definitely do it because of the next surprise. I don't harbor any um, ill will. Ill will, and would do it because of such a special occasion. And I'm and I am eager to go back and read the Sword, Volume One, yeah, two, three, and four, just to you know revisit it and see if maybe my opinion has changed on it. It may have. It it may. Well. Uh, for the first time ever in show history. Next week, we will have a guest host that is also one of our wives. For the first time ever, my wife will guest host at Nimenity on episode 178, The Sword. There you have it. Mm. Breaking news. Yeah, we're all pretty excited. Uh, At Nimenity, we all look up to. She recently got into comics, and she has probably read more comics than all of our entire lives put together at this point. She's just (laughs) consuming it. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm definitely proud of her. And if she wants to read, I mean, she has already read, I believe, the entire Sword series. So she, she's going back. <laughs> she's going to go back. She's going to read it again. I'm going to catch up right up there with her. Yeah, the, the night before or the day of. Yeah, While well, you're driving home, you'll have your iPad popped up on the steering wheel. I uh, I'm using some sort of uh, modified uh, iPad case from Five Below with zip ties and tape. It it fits my. VW steering wheel almost nearly perfectly. It doesn't brush up against my knees anymore when I make turns. Right. Uh, yeah, so I'll be fine. It's if, all back roads on the way home anyway, so. Jens, you've been curiously quiet during this announcement. What is, what's going on over there? What's in your head right now? I cannot wait to have a front row seat as at Dimity just trolls you again and again and again and again into submission. 
It'll be like, you know, a taste your own medicine there, Slimbo Slice. I do want to take a moment just to reiterate that Jonesy has a smartwatch on, that if you want to troll fave any of Jonesy's tweets, <laughs> he will get the notification vibration on his I wrist. I get Jim Lind to my wrist <laughs> what feels like 40 times a day. And... I still don't want to take the pebble off. That's how nice the Do watch you get is. notifications for like uh, tweets that you are mentioned in that get faved or just Un- your... T- unfortunately, Oh, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Set your fave guns to vibrate right now <laughs> for Jonesy Loves Beer. That's probably got to cut into your reading time, Jonesy. I mean, you're reading slash watching movie time in your truck in your work parking lot. Yeah, are you done the, the sword? Gang up on there, boys. Are you done the sword already, Jonesy? Troll, uh, troll no, chum but, uh, in the waters. <laughs> just troll chumming everywhere. <laughs> Okay, Chief Brody, just relax. All right. Get anything else, or was it, I thought you had right, something yeah. else. I no, I, was a, I, you know, it would have been perfect with just one more, but <laughs> it's fine. You couldn't get in there. We, for the hat trick? all right. Enough of Jonesy, please. We need to move on. We got a big. <laughs> sh- <laughs> we got a big uh, show. Troll Next for the week. Revenge, star- starring Elaine, Gary, and Michael Caine. <laughs> Oh gosh, Troll Free or Die, starring Samuel Jackson. <laughs> we need to get into the comic uh, talk where we all talk about a book that we read one by one, and then after that we'll get into the book club. Jonesy Loves Beer, what did you read this week? Uh, I want to talk about a book that I don't think is getting enough buzz, and that's Jason Aaron's other southern book, and that's Men of Wrath. Hmm. Uh, the second issue recently came out, uh, Ron Garney doing art duties and uh it's great guys it's uh, the men of wrath uh, is basically focusing on which is like an infamous southern family the wrath family who uh, are known to be troublemakers and murderers and and fly off uh you know the handle and this particular story focuses on a young member of the wrath family who was trying to go straight and because of a accidental pregnancy kind of slipped back into a life of crime. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and now his father, uh, Rath Sr., uh, has been hired to come after him. And this issue kind of tells you why that's the case. Hmm. You know, why is the elder Rath on the trail of his son? Why does he have to kill him? So... It's a great story. I mean, if you love uh, Southern Bastards, uh, you should pick up Men of Wrath. It has the same vibe, but doesn't feel trite. Like, he's just kind of trying to saturate the story. So, I mean, I'd give it, like, two thumbs up, fellas. You gotta get it. Not just two thumbs up. Like, two thumbs up. Hold on. Mm-hmm. I give it my highest possible recommendation. Wow. Jonesy's, uh, the, the symbols for Jonesy would be two thumbs, but one of those wrists would have a pebble watch <laughs> on it. As ever, Are you ever guys blinking. DMing each Emoji. other to just turn up the troll temperature? Emoji. You're like, got him. Emoji. I got him on the hook for it. You go in for the kill. Troll mojied. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's a, a five issue miniseries, right, Jonesy? Is that my understanding? I, I actually don't know. Oh. Let me see if I can get to the title. Can you get the internal? No, it just says chapter two. Yeah, Matt, are you out there? Matt Matt H., the intern. Matt H., the official paper game We can't intern? go uh, a segment involving Ron Garney without mentioning Jonesy's all-time favorite Wolverine series, Weapon X. Mm. Uh, Get Mystique, I think, maybe was one of those. 
Because that took place, I think, in the in the Wild West, didn't it? A part of that storyline? Bits and pieces. Although, that Amantium Men... Mm. Guys, let's just take a minute. <laughs> that Amantium Men. Mm. If we had a soundboard, we could have inter splice some Desiree into that. Oh, man. Holy crap. Could we? Uh, I don't think we have that kind of editing magic uh, right now. But let's move on. Swamp Thing. You ever heard of this guy? No. How about Explain. one Alan Moore? Oh, yeah. You know, I had some time to read last week, late at night, laying in a bed by myself. What else is a man to do? but read digital Alan Moore comic books. So I went back to book two of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing saga, the saga of the Swamp Thing, if you want to get technical. And uh, we did a book club, I believe, way back, maybe like episode three or four, was it? Something like that? Yeah, three or four. Where uh, we all pretty much gushed over the first trade of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Uh, first issue is probably one of the best single issues I've ever read in my life of that Swamp Thing, and it's old. It's like 70s, yeah. 80s. Swamp Thing number 21. Oh, my word. Greatest Go get it. One of the greatest single issues ever. So this uh, the, this book is, you know, Swamp Thing. Hopefully you've uh, read a little bit about Swamp Thing or perhaps more than likely seen the great movie that took place where a scientist burned alive jumps into the swamp and then this swamp thing comes out uh, in his place and he's one with you know the green and the forest and nature and the second trade is dealing with I guess his main villain Arcane um, you know I think I've been reading the new 52 Yannick Paquette Scott Snyder stuff and that Arcane character that family shows up so this is, you know, the antithesis of Swamp Thing, so that you get the kind of almost original version of that horror story where Arcane comes back and goes against Swamp Thing. And there's also, I really only kind of want to mention maybe the one part, but the final issue is when of this book is where, you know, the female that has been a part of his life since he became Swamp Thing, uh, she's been falling in love with him over the course of the series, and she kind of can't take it anymore. She, she wants to tell him. And she mentions this, and then they kind of have this adorable conversation about um, how they can't, you know, do the deed, so to speak. But the way that Alan Moore writes it is the opposite of how I phrase it. It's just this beautifully written um, conversation about how, you know, talking like Swamp Thing, he's very slow and methodical when he speaks, and he... You know, he wants to have a communion of, of, like, love with her, and he's not sure how to do it. So he figures out a way to kind of share something with her. And there's, like, a 15-minute, 15 15-page 15 story of just how she journeys into this uh, plant life, kind of, like, next-level way of thinking about the universe, and, how she, and that's, like, how they have this you know, uh, emotional moment together. I thought it was gorgeous. Really well done. You know, how would you write Swamp Thing with having a, you know, a romantic encounter with anything and make it gorgeous? And it was. Alan Moore, not afraid to, you know, put it all on the table. <laughs> it, sounds, gonna... it sounds a lot like the scene from one of the greatest movies ever, 
uh, Demolition Man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they really went to that next level there. Yeah. You know the hunk of chunk of? <laughs> Is that Sly in the room with us right now? <laughs> oh my gosh. Did we ever talk I about, him. I think we did, maybe at length, but the the theory that is on the internet that Sandra Bullock is his daughter in that movie? Uh, we have many times. Yes, I, I think so. Malarkey. That. <laughs> <laughs> that malarkey theory. <laughs> I didn't mean to insult you so fiercely. I think uh, the last time we brought it up, Dale went into like a four-minute weird zone <laughs> when he talked about Taboo featuring some aged porn star. Oh, man. <laughs> I think you you might be kind of mashing our segments together, but it's very possible that I did talk about the trailer I've seen, a taboo, <laughs> when I ripped off my grandfather's VHS tapes when I was a young man. What was the trailer for? Do you want to get into it now, or should we save that for the Oh, uh, the trailer side? was for the movie Taboo. And what was the plot of Taboo? It sounds like I'd be interested I just in remember one, the I just remember the scene in the trailer was just man... Woman, man, woman in a huge circle. I mean, I'm talking 20 <laughs> to 25 people. Wasn't that Caligula? Or was that a different that, movie? That might have been, you know, this is the dirtier version of it. I don't know. <laughs> no. uh, what a show we have tonight. Uh, so Swamp Thing. Romantic. Highly recommended. Caligula. That was another. <laughs> yeah, we went from Swamp Thing to Taboo <laughs> to Caligula. I'm just saying it's a great volume. You know, we we said the first trade was one of the greatest ever, and yeah. that's another instance where we say it's the greatest thing ever, and we just never go back to it for whatever reason. Who knows why? The Astro City. Astro City being effect. the forefront of that. But of uh, spoilers, we did, or I did, rather. Good. Dale underscore A. You know, you were giving uh, Jonesy a Facebook class off air, uh, really going through the motions of how it works, etc. What did you read this week? I read, speaking of Astro City, my main man, Kurt Busick, which he, uh, he t- did you just throw that out? He, th- he threw a tweet out there for those wondering how to pronounce my last name. It's Busick. He's always listening. Uh, I, guess, like I read Busick. his new image property, Tooth and Claw, number one, uh, with uh, Benjamin Dewey on art, Jordy Belair. On colors, oh man, gold. Um, Tooth and claw is a anthropomorphic universe where, quite immediately in the first two or three pages, there is a an almost a class system that exists among these animal races where the uh, better, well off, more well off. Uh, more magical creatures because it, there's a lot. It's a lot about wizardry in this, and uh, so far, you know, all of the animals share the same status. So, like one race of animal isn't just you know greater than the other for reasons based on their um their race of animal, but except for those poor rhinos. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the buffalo. So, on the ground, uh, you know, so these cities are floating cities, and, and these races are well off, and uh, the wizards are basically importers, exporters, you know, v- the art vandalays of the universe, <laughs> if you will, and 
it focuses on uh, one family, father and son, who goes down to the surface world to trade with these uh, surf- surface dwellers. And in this instance, it has to be a, it happens to be a tribe of buffalo who, uh, you know, gathered all the supplies that were requested, and they are paid for in magic crystals to help, uh, you know, to help heal the the elders of the tribe and stuff. But very quickly, it's established that these wizards, these these higher ups are kind of bullies when it comes down to it. They they shortchange the buffalo in their magical um, magical crystals, and basically they strike down the leader of the buffalo with magic, basically establishing you know a foothold and rule to, st- to kind of stay in charge, kind of the way the uh, the grasshoppers do over the ants in Disney Pixar's Bugs Life. Hmm. If you if you're familiar. And uh, there's a big wizard symposium. All the wizards are kind of gathering in this one city. And like the kids that aren't uh, apprenticed to magic yet, they're just in spectacle to see all these grand uh, magical beings arrive for this consortium of wizards. And a wizard speaks up at the beginning uh, during their big dinner and says, you know, I've seen it. We've all seen it. Magic is dying. Magic is going away. What are we going to do? And there's a lot of implications of that because without magic, they can't uh, keep a foothold. They can't um, exert their strength over, you know, the lower beings. And basically, they might, they, they fear of what's to become. Do they, are they going to have to work for a living? Are they going to have to uh, do manual labor? Are they going to have to fight when right now they can just zap somebody if they need to? And uh, uh, one wizard has an idea, this warthog, that they're going to, uh, if they combine their strengths, they can bring back the savior, I guess, who can reopen the magic gate and let magic flood into the world. And it's implied in um, sort of a magical imagery. I feel like I've used the word magical a lot, but um, it's implied that it's a human. They don't show the face, but it's a human body. So there's some implications there, but uh, the wizards all gather to do it, and they basically they don't have enough magic within themselves to do it. So it like the the extra magic needed is kind of drained from one of the floating cities. So complete damage done. The city stops floating because the magic is gone. You know, there's death, there's uh, head explosions. Like while these animals are trying to funnel their magic together, it's it, it's it's not super graphic, but it does show the horrors of, you know, these animal wizards hmm. trying to hold their magic together. But in the end of the book, maybe the the end goal was accomplished of bringing this thing back, but there's already bad things afoot because with the city not floating and death on the numbers, you know, the tribe of buffalo gather around the perimeter of the city and are... You know what's what? It's the the threat is they're they're going to go to war next issue with the wizards and probably slaughter them all if they can't do anything about it. But Kurt Busiek's world building, I mean, Astro City is the number one example. But this in it and and this is a uh, for three ninety nine. It's a forty eight page comic, no ads, Ooh. but the amount of world building in here was just astonishing, and I can't wait to see what comes next. I can't wait to subscribe to it. You know. Where does this um, 
I was just thinking to myself, like, if you were ever a reviewer for, like, IGN, you would be their anthropomorphic specialist, <laughs> like, at-large reviewer. Where does this rank in your scale of uh, similar books? Because you have a you two, both of you have a huge library mm. of those uh, loves. Sure, Mouse Guard would still probably be number one. You know, this could be number two. Huge. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I kind of agree with Dale. I think Mouse Guard will always be number one in my heart. But this is more of an adult edge to it, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it'll definitely capture, like, the Final Fantasy crowd. I mean, that's a vibe that I got uh, while reading it. You know, very airshipy, very, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, spellcaster, you know, young hero on the beginning of a journey vibe from it. I mean, it was very, very well written because it's Kurt Busiek, mm. but I, I loved it. I thought the art was fantastic. They they were able to catch uh, every animal mm. at like, their best angle yeah. to be anthropomorphic. Uh, I can't even say the word, but uh, fantastic book. And for 48 pages for four bucks with no ads, I mean, uh, it makes you wonder why the big two can't squeeze all that content for the same price. Chenzi, what does your uh, live video streaming name mean? You're talking about the goodbye new 52, hello old 52. What is that in reference to? Uh, talking about the bleeding cool firmed rumors that the new 52 will return to the original continuity. Really? It's, you know, big rumor town. Mm. At um, population one. Live. We just got a live tweet from at Zach Fig. What about Black Sad? Uh, none of us have read Black Sad, I don't believe, and it's on our Google Doc, but... Yeah, whatever. I could have sworn we had that down for an episode, and never, never happened. It probably got uh, bumped with our along with our Halo episode. <laughs> uh, poor Halo. That'll never. Halo see the has day. been on the Google Doc probably since episode eighty, <laughs> and it just keeps getting beaten away. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we bump it for Black Set? <laughs> <laughs> I think Halo is probably after the two hundred still. Yeah. At this point, that's how far along we are. <laughs> we actually already have the episode two hundred book club picked out. But that's that's, a, a that's top secret. It's under lock and key. Spoilers. Lightning lightning round. Two sentences or less. We're running out of tape. Still got a lot of show to get to. Another book that you read, Gen Z Loves Beer. Garth Ennis and Keith Burns' War Stories, Castles in the Sky 203. Never have I desired so for an HBO Band of Brothers type scenario with this story in it. Uh, just an amazing Read from page to page. Jeff Parker's Meteor Men on my wife's recommendation. Never stops reading. She's an animal. Consume, consume, consume that one. (laughs) That's all she does. A young boy searching for his place in not the world but the universe. A very contact starring Jodie Foster ish miniseries that I enjoyed. The Ghost Fleet, number one. A couple of buddies escorting a heavily armored tractor trailer is. Mutineered from within the ranks. 
What could be so special and secret hidden in that trailer of that truck to make the staff member turn on his buddy? Staff member, I don't know. (laughs) Mercenary. Three Shadows by Cyril Pedroza. A graphic novel that it's hard to get your hands on. Just throw that out there right now. Not available digitally, at least that I'm aware of. Amazon, your local bookstore, your comic shop is it for you. If they have it, they're sold out at distributor level. We need to get that publisher on the the digital uh, Mm. stream, yeah? Get them. If only one of us worked for the world's largest digital comic company. Go get them, math. Jonesy Loves Beer. What is this book, this graphic novel, this lush, gorgeous book about? I'm going to try to be as concise as possible for a story this large. Thank you. Uh, something I don't normally guarantee. Lest we forget uh, the endless love synopsis <laughs> on another podcast that was almost as long you as the You mean the one that took episode. the entire podcast? <laughs> it's the only time I've ever edited a synopsis in my life, in our history. <laughs> uh, that You must be talking about our other uh, new show, Interview with the Troll Podcast Vampire. <laughs> Which has actually been the last 177 episodes of this show, starring me as being trolled. All right, so Three Shadows uh, focuses on a farming family that live in this peaceful vale. And they uh, they raise a couple children, one of which is their son, Joaquim. And one day, uh, they notice that three shadows stand on a hillside far away watching them and the presence of these three shadows which is you know both physical and metaphorical here uh, start to drive the husband slowly mad because he knows that the three shadows are coming for Joaquim so he begins a long quest in order to stave off what these three shadows means in order to sacrifice himself and his his family's lifestyle so that Joaquin can, you know, ostensibly get away from this looming evil. Uh, There's generally three phases of this book. The first phase is them in the farm talking about ways to get rid of the three shadows. Uh, Joaquin's mother visits, like, the local, I don't know if you would say, like, not witch, but the medicine woman, Mm. Uh, and then, in an effort to escape altogether, uh, Joaquim and his father leave the Vale and go on a a voyage. They go on a um, a ship bound for a place that they're sure they'll be able to hide from uh, these three entities. And that's the second phase. One of the longest portions of the book is the their journey away from home. And then finally, the third phase is. After a shipwreck, um, the family, Joaquin and his father, wash up on a shore. And a lonely old man nurses them back to help, health, excuse me, and then offers uh, basically to buy uh, Joaquin's father's soul in order to <clears throat> push off the three shadows even further. 
So that's the final phase of the book is basically the the ultimate sacrifice that is paid so that Joachim stays away from what are revealed to. And I don't know if you guys got the same thought that I did, but like the Fates and Furies, three sisters uh, that are, you know, represent death itself are coming to take him to the afterlife. And then there's a nice coda to the story where they go after uh, the, the who is called the Baron, which was the old man on the beach. And finally, uh, Joaquin crosses over at the end of the tale. And uh, his father is able to go back to the Vale with his remaining family and kind of enjoy the rest of his life. It sounded like the three shadows were coming for you towards the end of that synopsis, Jonesy. The Fates and Furies threw the mic. We're coming for me. One, it's mi- like that Michael Keaton movie, White Noise. Oh, did they? Uh, did they let you know via your Pebble Watch that they were <laughs> coming for you? Shields holding forty percent. <laughs> One minor correction in your obviously amazing synopsis was that, <laughs> that you hopefully won't have to edit. Uh, they only had the sun in the ni- first first ninety percent of the story. Weren't there daughters at the end of the? There book? were. Or oh, was, the, the daughters came that later. Was after. Symbolic okay. for rebirth and continuing and growing. I'm such as a, a dummy. Family. Thank you for educating me. Uh, Three Shadows, gorgeous book, mm. uh, French creator, and man, just a lot of timeless um, work in this book. I thought it was great. I thought it was amazing. Um. I thought there was, you know, the he's uh, he's worked in Disney animation. He's worked on some, I think he worked on The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely see, and I think we talked about it in previous episodes, where the artist has that kind of animator vibe to the work. Like, it's just very dynamic, very, like, I don't know, another word besides animated, very full of life. And you can see that in the work, the whole book. Yeah, the the entire book, every panel is just fluid with motion, especially the way he conveys kind of the chipperness of Joaquin and his, you know, boisterous life, like, just comes alive when he's just hopping because he's happy. You could just, I mean, I'm he's just hopping. You could tell if he's, like, bouncing up and down because he's, you know, in a good mood with his parents or something. It's just all that fluidity throughout the book, it looks like, it's moving every panel. This this book was hard to read as a father. I don't know if you guys were in the same place I was emotionally when reading it, but this is tough. I mean, how far would you go to save your son, your firstborn? And it's, uh, not only is it, you know, filled with love for your kid, but how scary was it? I mean, that's, that's, that's where I was. That was my headspace when reading it was, could I be this guy and would I do the same yeah it's um so he Cyril wrote the book um based on the fact that it he was uh he had to watch his close friend's child die very young and the agony they went through so it's like it's based on something very real and just knowing that just knowing that it's inevitable and you have you know a time a short time together just for in the very beginning was just like oh man like 
there's like a lump in your throat as you're trying to get through the book because you you can probably assume just by the vibe that it's probably not going to be all that great of an ending for Joaquin. But it's, fan, it's handled very tastefully and with the symbolism of the, the uh, three sisters. You know, so it's kind of like he does the best he can to break your heart a little less. Yeah, the um, it, there was various points too where the son kind of was smart enough to realize what was going on and why his father took him on this journey to outrun the shadows. And at the very onset, you kind of get the idea very quickly that the, the shadows are death coming for the child. And it's like his time. And then, you know, the journey of the father decides to pull the son away from his wife. And, you know, at this time, the mother's only child. And he takes him on this journey to outrun the shadows, you know, to cross over the the river or the ocean or whatever it was. And the, like, that decision, like, the the father-son obviously was a huge uh, connection while I was reading. And at no, there, at no bigger point than when the ship was going down and, you know, he was in prison at this time or in the, the prison, the holding cell on the ship. And then the one guy told him that he needs to jump because the boat is going down or he's going to die. And then there's this one great gorgeous panel where um, he's holding the sun and he has to make the decision, do I jump into the ocean right now or stay? And it the panel was just so powerful and gorgeous where he had to make that decision because, I mean, there's a high chance that you're both going to die at that point. And you have mm-hmm. no idea whether or not like that is the right course of action at that point and he had to make that decision but right because basically that's that's the realism of well my journey to get across the river and outrun the three shadows is basically over yeah because so, they followed him to the boat like he yeah. under, understands that the shadows are on the boat and that's why he was put in this you know this holding cell there was a, a side story that maybe we'll get to but he knows that you know there's no hope at this point right. you know what so do we do now do you decide do you make that decision? I mean, or, you have to be crapping in your pants. I mean, even in present day, if you're on a boat that's going down and you're you're standing there with your son or your wife or whomever and you're like, this is it. This is the decision you have to make. I mean, like, I would be losing it at that point. And that was like the one moment where I almost lost it reading it. I was just like, to me, that was the, the big moment in the book where you had to make that decision and... And there was also various points where he made the shocking decision to sell his um, the core of his being to this creepy dude that saved his life. But the 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 reverse of that, you know, it's a great father son story. But I was really taken aback by the relationship with the mother because he mm-hmm. made the decision to take the boy away from their home on the off chance that they could outrun these shadows and it it didn't work. So the mother never really got that goodbye with the son. If I were the mother or if I was uh, the husband at that point, I knew I would be effed right there. Like you took your son um, away in the hopes that you could save him and you don't and you come back empty handed. That mother could be so grief stricken that she could not even look at that husband ever again. 
And that was what, like, I was stunned, you know, that that option, for whatever reason, and that it, it did have a different ending than I kind of thought was going to happen, but at the end when he comes home without the son, you know, she, he's greeted with open arms. You know, they embrace. I'm not sure what her mood was at that time, but she mm-hmm. does greet him with open arms. Yeah, the night Lewis and Joaquin leave, she, uh, this is from the book, it's, I won't stop you from going, but I don't know if I'll be able to forgive you for it. Joaquin will leave us. I know this, and I'm prepared, unlike you. It probably won't be long before the shadows take him away. These final moments with my son, this time I give to you. So this week-long journey, or however long the the father takes Joaquin away, the mother sacrificed and shortened her time to kind of put Lewis at ease or for maybe for the slim chance that this plan works but the mother's basically already known it was a done deal for Joaquin Mm -hmm. so I mean just that stuff and and it's so much there's so much like symbolism here or metaphor for real life I mean because up until that point what the three shadows was doing to Joaquin it was like ripping the family apart they were Lewis and Lise were like at each other's throats and it was such a good pen to panel translation of the tenseness that what these what death looming death was doing to these parents and it was really getting in the way of them spending time with their son together because they were they were just snapping at each other and at each other's throats because of what this was doing and it's and the and the visuals that were conveyed through this beautiful black and white art is just stunning yeah the emotion and i, and I thought that the you know there it was it's almost 300 pages and um when my wife was done she told me that it might take me two train rides to read but it actually finished it in one there wasn't you know, a lot of the storytelling is just visual storytelling. You know, the journey that they have and the faces that they make at various points of the story and just the amazing visuals of their their walk through the land. And there was one minor point that I thought really cemented the kind of simple, enjoyable life they had. It was just that when they went to the, you know, the, the, the pond to go swim, they were both just in, you know, in their birthday suit. Like, they didn't have a care in the world, just the three of them. They didn't care. Because they just had each other, and you know why bother? Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I just thought that was a very subtle thing that was noticeable about how there was nothing else to care about in their life than each other, and I thought that was a kind of a beautiful, uh, subtle addition. And yeah. and another thing too, which uh, adds to that, is when he goes to shore to get tickets for this boat ride, and he sees that there's a slave on board, and that was like the first time he'd ever seen someone being a slave and he was like he didn't know how to react i thought that was really cool yeah that was total like city mouse country mouse there because lewis is just like this is not this is not our lives we don't need we shouldn't be here we shouldn't have to wait in this line on this crowded boat just to just to get across this river it's not you know it's 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 all comes down to not being fair but he's got to do it and he's got to deal with it. Like all the stuff that he's introduced to and he's a grown man, you know, with a, with a son and he's got to be exposed to this stuff. It's just like, 
Oh man. Like, like real world, you know, this is the world now. Mm -hmm. It's your life. I don't know. I Dale, to your point on that, when we, we get introduced to the, uh, the slave woman, you know, the, the one thing that kept running through my mind was, you know, obviously, uh, Louie knows this is wrong and, you know, this, this does not belong. He even has a moment with the false captain of the vessel where, you know, even the captain's like, uh, you know, I just have her for cooking and cleaning. You guys remember that line? Mm-hmm. Where, like, mm-hmm. it's implied that, you know, she was a slave for everything. And while um, Louis definitely didn't approve, you know, he, his problems were more important than that slave girl's life. And I, I thought that was an, a, a cut-to-the-core metaphor of kind of, like, the world. You know, you, our problems are so, we're so focused on our own issues and our own problems and our own outcomes that a lot of people turn a blind eye to that sort of thing. And I, I thought that was a pretty powerful plot point to put in the story about, you know, one family's loss of a child that you would illustrate against a backdrop of the kind of inequities of the world. And I don't know if I was ready for that as a reader because I was so dialed into this one family story, but it really, it it makes you think about how much we don't accomplish because we're, you know, focused on our own daily troubles. And of course this, this trouble is awful and should be focused on, but you know, some of life's issues aren't, but we, we kind of value them more than we would somebody else's basic rights. Mm. Yeah. 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 The um the what I kind of viewed was almost an epilogue was where the three shadows reveal themselves to the child as three women, and they end up going to that creepy old dude that stole. Was it his heart or soul that he stole from the dad or that he sold? I I thought soul. Okay, I get out of it. So the three women go back to get the soul from this man to give to the son to give to his father which I wasn't expecting at all and it was a very um, I guess the scene was longer than I thought it would be it almost turned into a B story of the three women and Mm -hmm. showing their personality and how they appear I guess to each person very differently when they come for them you know when they come to the, the cheater they appear as these three women in disguise that are meant to lure him into this game to steal it back and then they end up giving it back to the son and then they give it back to the father so that he can be awakened and go back to his wife. I thought that was a very, I wasn't expecting it at all. It was like you're, you know, you're, you're pounding on the, on the gas pedal and then you, you get a yellow light at that point of the book. I was very interested by that. Yeah. It felt like a, it felt like a backstory almost if you, if this were broken down into some single issues or something like that, but it was, it was, it's almost like reflective of who the person they're coming after is. Like they want to be comforting and matronly to Joaquin, but to this barren swindler who's cheated people since the very beginning. You know, he's they're they're just looking to swindle him right back and and take what what he stole. Mm-hmm. Right, but right before that, when right before the three women come for Joaquin and. Joaquim is being held in his dad's hand and, you know, his dad's a giant 
symbolically and he's he's just like begging his dad to let him go like he can't live like this any longer because it's just turned his dad into something that he's not is that, that was a great page where he's just he's just it's almost like he's in utero but he's being held by his father's hand and he's just saying let there's no room for me anymore and it's that was a great scene like that was Joaquin just trying to plea with his dad and say I'm you know, I'm ready, yeah, and I don't want to see you like this any longer. Yeah, I thought that was a nice uh, touch that I wasn't expecting at the end of the book where the father comes back to the wife and then they begin again. Like, they're able to start anew with, a, with more children, which made more sense after the fact where I read the kind of ending about, you know, how he saw his fa- his friends go through this with their child... Mm-hmm. Um, dying young and that part kind of solidified the ending of the book where you know at that point you have to start anew you have to like keep going you have to push on and there was a great um quote at the end about having to stay upright um where they where they had more children and they continued to live and love and i thought that that was a good ending yeah. for you know that particular story the the absolute most powerful page in the book is in that time, and it just it says so much. But um, it's discovered that Louis, Louis and Lise have uh, two two baby girls now, and you know they're kind of back to being a happy family again, and they're kind of uh, reunited after the daughters and the dad is away picking berries for the day, and they come back, and you know she asks how their day was, and Louis is hugging her, but then it just there's two panels where their expressions change because they're just, they miss Joaquin's, like you can tell that they moved on, but there's always this place in their hearts and the love they have for Joaquin is never going to go away. And there's always going to be this sadness because Joaquin got taken away from him and they, and nothing is said, but they're holding each other. And, and he says, I know me too. Like that's the only words that are said, but, the message that's conveyed is just beautiful. It's like, it's a remembrance for Joaquin and you know that they haven't forgotten and that just the disgruntled, sad look on their face in this time of absolute pleasure with their daughters is just the most, that's just the most beautiful panel in the book. Mm. Hands down that page is so gorgeous. I, I think we talked about this before on the show and you know, what we would do if anything ever happened to our kids or spouse like simultaneously i mean like you hear about that when you're younger and how there's no greater grief than you know losing a child before you go or before your time but i don't like i can't even imagine how what these parents had to go through with their son but then also to have the strength within each other both of them to have more kids and to keep going I mean, it, that in and of itself is more emotional power than I can even think of, mm-hmm. which, you know, is just, I, I can't even put it into words. But great book. Great Three Shadows book. You got to get it. Big thanks to Scotty Young, who uh, recommended it to us. And um, he actually tweeted us while we were just talking about the book. So I'll just throw it in there. I read this for the first time soon after my son was born. By chance, my second read was a few days before my dad passed away. Pretty powerful stuff, and uh, yeah, I mean that's both of those most emo- very emotional times. My gosh, this book would 
do cripple a number you. on cripple you. you. Yes. There's no doubt about it. There's another book that I read. Um, I can't remember what it is, but I talked about it in a book club, and I don't even remember the creator's name, but it was about uh, a father trying to protect his daughter from a wolf that was chasing them. And it was similar to this, but it was only, I think, maybe 15 or 20 pages. And mm-hmm. it was amazing and it was gorgeous. And I'm going to try and find the name of the book, hopefully before the show's over. But that's another book that I recommend, and I wish I knew the name. Um, yeah, I think that was a, a Comicsology Submit title. Might have been, yeah. I'm going to see if I can find it. But that's a, that. I recommend that just as much as Three Shadows. They're both totally different lengths, but they convey the same kind of, you know, paternal chase. Mm-hmm. Um, that just knocks you right on your rear end. Beautiful book. You should. Uh, they should reprint this for the people who haven't read it yet. But and and release it digitally. Obviously, maybe Hopefully a juicy hardcover. Oh my god, juicy hardcover! I'd would... <laughs> <laughs> be a beaut, real beaut. Three shadows. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. If you want to shoot us a letter, we might read it on the era. Do we even have any letters? We have one, oh, okay. just one this week. Um, and it's painful to read, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, from dear friend. Uh, of the show, at Charles Forsman. Uh, he writes, Dear Slim Dale and that other guy. Chuck Forsman here. Just wanted to drop a line because I love hearing my name on the show. It has been too long since I was mentioned. But really, I wanted to make a plea for you guys to add Copra Round 1 to the show docket. Not sure if you guys have read any Copra, Copra. or not, but I did. Copra? Copra I'm sorry? Yeah. Copra. Copra, thank you for the on-the-spot correction or not, but I did notice that the creator, Chopra. Michael, uh, Michelle, can you give me the uh, author's pronunciation? Michelle Fief? Uh, Fiefe, I think. Fiefe? Wrote into the show a few years ago. I think he was writing about Savage Dragon after you guys had your way with it. Uh, anyway. never <laughs> way with it. Copra, round one, is a collection of the first six issues and is published by Bergen Street Press and available now. I think it is hitting comic shops soon-ish. Copra is Fifa's love letter to Suicide Squad, and I think you guys will get a kick out of it. In other, in other news that I should have written to you about last week, and he mentions here that there was a uh, Comics Art Brooklyn that uh, occurred this previous weekend. Uh, Dale, what, what is that trollish little smile you're giving me right there? Uh, he was tabling and selling his oily comics to the unwashed masses. Uh, you and the listeners should try to make it up if you can. It is a hotbed for weird comics that you might not find in your local shop. Saturday is the market day and Sunday is all panels. Special guests this year included uh, Charles Burns, Michael DeForge, Julie Doucette, Chip Kidd, Benjamin Mara, Jim Rugg, Dashaw, and Art Spiegelman. As always, thanks for doing the show every week. Don't stop. Best, Charles Forsman. Uh, thank you. The other guy was happy to read your email. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. And I think since um, wait, I tried sending out a tweet before the Brooklyn show uh, on Friday. So, but I think Oily Comics, which is his uh, 
publishing line is having a post comics arts Brooklyn sale on his website. So I think if you you could tweet him or if you find Uli Comics online and there's a there's an online code I think post cab you get 25% off the Oily Comics store. So we could do that much for Chuck Forsman then please take advantage of that sale since uh, we couldn't get the message out to the masses beforehand. I hope it was a good show, Charles. I hope really do. You know, that's it's smart strategy just sending an email into the show to get your name also onto the show. That's what people that's why people listen to podcasts to hear their own <laughs> name. That is a fact. <laughs> That's why Jones even started doing podcasts because it was a guarantee that we'd have to say his name. <laughs> Is it though? <laughs> Jonesy's uh Jonesy can't he's not really paying attention right now. He's too busy tweeting oh, live during Shields, the show. Shields of five percent. Just finish me off, Dale. <laughs> all right. You've won. If you were I like how he's carrying were this unsure, he's carry this all the way to the end. If you were <laughs> unsure about whether you're gonna win or lose and trolling me to death tonight, you won. So just enjoy your victory. Just get it off your claws. Oh God, we made it. We made it crack. Can we isolate that audio, please? (laughs) (laughs) My my Mac Mini would explode if I tried to isolate that audio. (laughs) Oh, what a show! What a show! Next week, one of the biggest shows in history. It's huge. At Amenity, there's live Thursday night, three nights from now. Watching God live. help us. And then we can record our nine other podcasts afterward that we do. And then my wife can make a face at me when I come into bed at 2 a.m. Dummy. Editing. Dummy. Dummy. You dummy. dummy. You did this dummy. to yourself, you dummy. We oh, love our wives. We got a, we got a letter hot. We just got a letter hot oh, if, you, if you're inclined to stop the issue. Oh, right. This is a David Finn letter, so. Oh, jeez. Mm. Oh, boy. Get the uh, reading spectacles out. Uh, Dr. Doom is online is the title of this email. Uh, in a somewhat surprise turn of events, it seemed Dr. seems Dr. Doom will be an antisocial blogger in the new Fantastic Four movie. Wow, that sounds like 90 minutes of nonstop fun. <laughs> seems they ignored my script advice to put Wolverine in it. <laughs> Jonesy, have Fox Studios reached out for material, for material from your more sarcastic, satirical tweets regarding hipsters? I hope so. <laughs> Keep up the good work, boys. <laughs> Regards, David Finn, a.k.a. Red Lantern 2051. Everybody knows <laughs> I love hipsters. I don't know where this is coming from. That was worth it. You got that, that was, was that it. was a good one. I give David <laughs> Finn props for that one. Anytime you can, you know, take the troll shields down to 0% during <laughs> the show. It wasn't even us that did it, which is It perfect. wasn't us. I'm just done. I'm done, Killing guys. Blow. You're just, you know, you're just hitting debris at this point. <laughs> We'll see everybody next week. The Sword.
It's actually my favorite part right here. Glimpse into Slim's psyche. Id. Yeah, my rare id. I'm, I'm going to spoil something for you. That's my. That's one of my favorite parts too. I knew that's it. why we're best friends. I effing knew it. Mm-hmm. That's what sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. What a show! My word. <sighs> Felt good. Felt real good. You know, I had a tough NHL loss tonight. Oh man! In front of my wife, just oh, emasculating God. me, like my fifth in a row. And uh, it just felt real good. It's good to bounce back from that. I bet you your wife watched this live, though, and thinks you knocked it out of the park. You're probably getting lucky. Tell you what. <laughs> you know, two hours from now when I'm done editing. After you're done editing, of course. See if she's awake, and we might go out for ice cream. You know? If you can uh, <laughs> pick up. Let's be put down. There. <laughs> Go to the sandwich shop. You know, get a little treat for yourselves. Walk home hand in hand, as lovers do. Read Jonesy tweeting from the paper keg Twitter account. Is he tweeting from the paper keg Twitter account right now? Real real beauty, Clark. What is going on right now? (laughs) Uh, He's at at negative. (laughs) Jonesy, I think, just looked at the clock in this room. Oh, what a show. Love this one. Scotty anything um, else? Uh, watched us live on his PS4 and his 50-inch television. PS4? Ooh. Look at him. I thought, uh, you know, I thought he was going to be an Xbox kind of Xbox kind of guy. But, uh, Jonesy, aren't you getting a PS4? That's a rumor. Jonesy's if I can ever get a, an outlet. Assassin's Creed my, uh, comes out tomorrow, doesn't it? Yeah, What's it's going to sit in the cellophane until I can go get a PS4. Oh my God. Go get didn't, one. Didn't your wife pre-order one for you? She ordered the game, yes, but not the system. What? You could have done that from your phone, in your truck, in the could parking have. lot. <laughs> so, look. Rumors, conjecture. <laughs> is, had, do I come over there and, and rip down the fourth wall for you, Dale? Jonesy has had quite huh? enough of the trolls this evening, and we have to record in Go three ahead, days. Guys. Is that going to be ahead. enough time to recharge the shields? <laughs> to get Scotty down there and take a look at that engine? It's done, okay? The metaphor's over. <laughs> The, ch- the horse is dead. I slit its throat. We don't need to go back here ever again. Uh, so, Dale, have you watched The Flash yet? No, I have not watched The Flash yet. No, it's, you don't have time. Let's be honest. Here. All the time. Uh, I full confession. Yeah. I don't think since I've started uh, recording Paper Keg have I played World of Warcraft. But recently, maybe started playing. Oh my god! I have even less time now. Mm, How does that come into your uh, Skyrim time? You have no Skyrim time anymore. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I don't know how you do it. Have you watched The Flash? Is that why you're... I did. I watched it tonight. It was Dynamite, right? I liked it. I liked it a whole lot. It made Gotham look like some, you know, school film students put it together. I'm going to watch it. You need to watch it tonight. I'm going to watch it. What a show. 
fantastic show. Felt good, you know what I mean? It felt like, honestly, it just feels like we've had a lot of book club episodes recently. And uh, you hate the book club episodes. It's I a don't. Known fact. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. Honestly, I don't. Because that's what I heard. It just feels like we've done maybe I mean, we've probably done only one. That you know, our current streak is probably one. But with our ten days off from each other and me only reading the bare minimum of comics to do a full blasted episode. It's really going to bug me that I don't know the name of this submit book that I loved. And I reached out to the creator on Twitter and I can't remember the name of it. Mm. You could uh, edit it in post. It should only take you that little bit longer. Add 25 minutes. One big holiday. Anything, uh, any closing comments, Jonesy, before we wrap up? You want to get the last no, word? No, good. Nope.